0: Hello and welcome to the Back to Football podcast. It's show number 12. It's 39 degrees here in London today. That's probably going to be the hottest day ever. Boris Johnson is our new Prime Minister and I'm joined not in the studio, uh, not by John Miller, um, but by the virtue of a myriad of technological wonders. Uh, I'm joined by Greg the Egg Hollands. Greg, how are you? I'm
1: surviving, mate. I'm surviving, just it about. It is hot, isn't it? It's too hot. Yeah, it's, it's, it is too bloody hot. We're really not built for this kind of heat. I mean, we've got, what, bricklaying uh, buildings, insulation, all of that. That's it. Every, every,
0: every, pretty much every building in this country is designed to keep heat in.
1: Which is great. <laughs> which is great. Which, when Yeah.
0: <laughs> which, at this time of the year... Um, I mean, even to the point where a lot of the older houses now, and I live in sort of like a Victorian flat, um, the windows have those limiters on them. Right. I I guess they're a safety thing as well, but, um, yeah, when it's 39 degrees and you can only open your window by like three inches, it's, uh,
1: not built for it. My, it's um, not ideal. The new flat that I've moved into is, uh, it's got underground heating with no air con. So it's great for heating the room up, but for cooling it down, it's useless. Absolutely. So, my every time I walk past it, it reminds me that it's 30 degrees in this room, so Do it's you really know that there's, um, there's such a thing
0: as coolth, the, the opposite of warmth. cool um, coolth, yeah, c o o l t h. Um, right. and that's the process of sending cold water through pipes to kind of uh conduct some of that uh, hot uh, energy or air, and the worst, um physics lesson ever there by me <laughs> but, but yeah <laughs> um, it's such I a mean, thing <laughs> yeah it is such a thing um so uh, we have a pretty jam-packed show today including two mount rushmore segments because obviously uh they're they're so brilliant and popular uh, with our thousands of listeners um one of these mount rushmore's this week is non-sport related it's i, I guess we can say it's tv related um mm-hmm. and we won't give away exactly what it is yet and then the other one is sport related and that will feature in our back to football section at the end of the show um and we should probably mention at this point that we are the number one podcast for people who probably should talk about something other than football um so greg you of course have your fantastic podcast uh, the men's room uh, and um, how, how's that going what's uh, what's been going on with uh, your crew of uh, podcasters recently
1: that's <laughs> me and my is, members. Yeah. Um, yeah no all good so we we stopped recording around May time just purely because you know the three of us all moved back home from uni and different areas and stuff so Rather than trying to make it happen and then having half assed content, we wanted to just stop, take a breather, um, a sort of like a end-of-season gap. Uh, and right now we're really excited because we are planning for season two of The Men's Room. Okay. Um, Google Docs going on, really exciting. I love uh, Google Doc. I love a Google Doc. You can't
0: beat it, yeah, for sure. Why would um, anyone get um, Microsoft Office in
1: 2019 when you can use Google Docs? Exactly, it's the way it go. is we go forward. Um, so yeah, no, we've got really good, exciting stuff. Basically, what the the show is is um, it's not as specific as any other podcast you might listen to. We are very topical. We upload every week and we talk about what's going on in that week. Uh, and then we do throw in a few themes as well, which is you know for season two we're looking at doing that a little bit more because we found that the the themed shows are a bit more. Uh, they don't. You know, the topical episodes are great, but they don't age particularly well. So the episodes, you know, there's a lot of re- re-listen value and you know people can tune into it a bit later on and things like that. So, you know, we're looking at different ways of doing the podcast, talking to people that have listened to it and what they like, what they don't. So we're really excited for season two. Uh, yeah, me, Zach and Adam are my co-hosts. And um, yeah, no, we're, we're really looking forward to it. Excellent. it's good stuff. Look forward to uh, to hearing
0: the next episode. Are you thinking of having any guests on uh, in season two?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, we've got a little bit of a guest list going on. Um, we, we have, uh, we practice actually, it was a really good idea of Adam's that we had. We thought, because we, we were in a bit of a, we were in between studios at one point and we we're recording in my my university bedroom. So we couldn't really get any guests on because it's not, great professional setting. If you're just saying that, like, Oh yeah, kind of sit down. Yeah. Mind, mine mind the bed, uh, yeah, the day. Yeah. Cups on the side. So we actually took three episodes where we interviewed each other. And, um, yeah. Like it, yeah. It was a practice. Cause it, it, it worked in every sense really. Cause it gave us the opportunity to practice interviewing each other, uh, to be interviewed, which is quite fun. And we all like talking about ourselves, the three of us. And, um, I think it gave the listeners a bit of an opportunity to see, what we were actually like and why we came into podcasting, why we are who we are and and things like that. So it was really good fun. But yeah, no, definitely we're going to get more guests. On going to get onto that. Sweet. And you talked about potentially, uh, you might
0: have scouted out uh, a new location to record in. Probably, I don't know, I guess maybe keep it secret for now. You don't want any um, sort of crazed fans turning
1: up at, at first recording, but it sounds pretty promising. It's a nightmare. You go to record, you've got fans outside, it takes an extra half an hour out of your day. I mean, what can you do? I mean, we're all Yeah, you've got to sign those <laughs> autographs, you got to take those selfies. You know, we've all been there. Um,
0: it's just part of the game uh, when you're an elite podcaster uh, here on Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcast outlets. Um, let's uh, talk very, very, extremely briefly about our new prime minister um, who was. Rather undemocratically elected, uh, shall we say? This week, um, we're not a political podcast, and nor is the the men's room. Um, but we have a new prime minister. It's quite a big deal. He's been referred to by um, the Donald himself as Britain Trump uh, this <laughs> week. <laughs> not Britain's Trump, Britain Trump, um, which sounds a bit like um, it sounds like a stately name, doesn't it? Like Bittencourt. Court. It's got that kind of. <laughs> Name, uh, sort of vibe to it but yeah britain trump is now in charge over here in the uk um are we all fucked
1: um yeah <laughs> probably yeah. yeah um we'll yeah. see i think since 2015 was it that the brexit vote came in i think since then it's just been a bit of a downward spiral i think that the, the typical british thing to be is well oh i can't be that bad and then it keeps yeah. going keeps going oh, i can't be that bad and I think yes, when was it yesterday that he came in? Uh, we all sort of had a minute, and we were like, right, at what point do we hit the reset button? At what point is it too late? Um, I did like the comparison that someone tied the heat in with Boris Johnson's um, arrival as um, the it's not actually climate change; it's just the the gates of hell have opened. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, that's
0: the situation we're in. I mean, I mean, my. Um, very throwaway analysis of of him is he's just a, a bit narcissistic in terms of it's not really about politics or the party it's it's about him um and that's quite similar i think to donald trump so we'll see where that goes he's certainly gonna i think he's gonna provide us with meme after meme after meme um and he'll I'm sure within you know maybe even by the time this show goes live he'll he'll have made his first uh, Boris-esque um, gaffe in terms of he'll be stuck on a zip line somewhere or um, fall over doing something. But um, I think don't be fooled by the act because even though these may seem like. Uh, playful accidents. I think they're all very, very contrived, deliberate uh, acts. So, um, yes, we have that to look forward to. Um, A lot of comedy uh, coming out of of number 10. Um, So I think it's probably a a good time to sort of awkwardly segue into our opening Mount Rushmore for show number 12 of the Back to Football podcast. Uh, And we're going to do... A Mount Rushmore on sitcoms, so comedy, uh, situational comedies. Um, I know, Greg, you're a big fan of a few things. I've picked up uh, along the way in our in our rather brief uh, friendship, courtship, whatever we're going to call this uh, so far. That um, yeah, there's a there's a few comedies. I think you probably would put on your Mount Rushmore, same as me. So um, I've compiled a list um, that's that's long enough to to accommodate uh, such a situation. Um, mm-hmm. Would you like to go first um, or would you like to go second with two picks?
1: Uh, so how do we do it? Do I go one and then yeah, you go? Yeah, so
0: we'll do the snake uh, draft. So whoever goes first gets one pick, the person that goes second gets two, and then two after that.
1: Okay. Um, so yeah. would you rather have one or two picks to begin with? I'll open. I'll open with one. Okay, go for it. Okay, so my first one is um, inside number nine. Oh. Yeah. Have you seen it? Have you heard of it? No.
0: Inside number nine.
1: Yeah. So it's sort of uh, it's a um, uh, uh, anthropology anthrop anthropological. Yeah. So they're all very separate episodes. Anthology, maybe. Anthology. Yeah. Yeah. It was a university degree, the other one that I said.
0: <laughs> Anthropology.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's an um, anthology series, and it's each different uh, episode is different to the other one. And it's uh, Reese, Reese Shearsmith and uh, Steve Pemberton, who are really, really talented writers and actors. Uh, they're t- always the two sort of main characters in them, and uh, the, the writers of them, obviously. And I don't know if you've seen The League of Gentlemen or Psychoville. Yeah. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, that's them as I re- well. Yeah, I,
0: I've, I, to be fair, actually, I've not really seen a lot of, um, League, of, Gent- League, of League of Gentlemen, yeah, but I mm-hmm. recognise uh, the guy from that, Steve Pemberton.
1: And, um, yeah, no, so each episode, I love them because I, I always love things with a twist, <clears throat> whether it's you know sitcom, comedy, horror, action, anything that's got a twist, I, I love. And these every episode is guaranteed a twist somewhere, and the, the they're writing though,
0: to, to 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 be guaranteed a twist is
1: almost anti-twist. It it is, but that's the finesse of how they write. It is because you know there's a twist somewhere, but they lull you into a sort of sense of this yeah. is all, The twist is never. I I've watched uh, I've binge watched all of all three seasons, and there wasn't a single time that I predicted what was going to happen. Okay, all right, that's good, that's promising. And uh, they've got a sort of that horror comedy sort of vibe. So, you know, there, there are darker parts, but then they complement it beautifully with humour. Um, well, one of the, my favourite things in comedy is a juxtaposition, juxtaposition humour. Um, so it's when something shouldn't be funny, and then it makes it funny, it makes it ten times funnier. Absolutely. Um, so they're, they're beautiful like that and, and the writing is just incredible I only recently got into it but I, I wholeheartedly recommend anyone to watch Inside Number 9 uh, it's incredible so that's why it's my top, top
0: number one on Mount Rushmore okay so I've got two picks now um, I'm going to throw It was, this is a tough one for my my first pick up on, on my Mount Rushmore but I'm going to go with I'm Alan Partridge um Two okay. seasons of gold. Um, uh-huh. I just think, yeah, I am Alan Partridge. For me, also, it was one of it was one of those. I probably first watched it when I was maybe twelve or thirteen, um, right. and I find it's really interesting if there's something that I watched at that age that I I still now kind of um, value that much. And and that sure. that's generally the kind of the beauty of comedy series and sitcoms is that you kind of if you find something funny when you're like 12 13 years old chances are when you're 28 29 30 like you're uh, it probably uh, probably way into like later life like 60 70 80 you're probably still going to find it funny i think your sense of humor is one of the things that does develop quite early on uh in your life um so yeah i'm alan partridge i just I think it's uh, it's a perfect piece of British comedy, BBC comedy at its best, for sure. Um, and my second pick, uh, I'm going to go for Peep Show. Um, keep it classic again, um, Peep Show. Just a, a magically written and performed uh, comedy from from start to just before the finish. I'm not the biggest fan of the final season of Peep Show. Um, no think it tried to kind of be very um, eclectic um, towards the the first eight series uh, and it tried to kind of summarise that and I think it was maybe a case of, you know, they knew that there might be some some new fans watching for the first time uh, to, and they kind of tried to use all the jokes, I guess, in that series. But then also, I think it was almost a bit of a throwback and a, a pastiche to itself um, for, for old time fans um, so yeah I kind of disregard the final season, um, I still enjoyed the final season um, do you know what one of my bugbears for the final season was that it included Tim Key and I really think Tim Key is hilarious and brilliant and I first knew of him on Charlie Brooker's Screen Wipe, did you ever watch that? Uh, is that uh, Weekly Wipe? Yeah so yeah it's the same thing like he used to do like a year yearly one and then a weekly one and etc like where he just went over the media stuff but they used to have Tim Key on there as a he used to do these poems about um you know popular culture and stuff um so I thought you know then I was like oh this guy you know he's he's on uh this he's on one of my favorite shows here then he popped up on uh Alan Partridge um, he was on Mid Morning Matters he played Psychic Simon and I was thinking okay right this guy's in like two of my favourite sitcoms um, and then obviously then he turns up in uh, in the final season of Peep Show as well and it, it kind of like I'm sure that he obviously deserves to be there but it was like I, did, I could just see the journey of the, this guy obviously writers and actors all, all found him really funny and really talented and wanted to include him in, in, uh, in their shows. But it kind of broke the, the boundaries, I guess, between all those shows that you have this one actor
1: just kind of getting I here. Because yeah. I, I, I totally get what you mean, because I watch a lot of British comedy. And especially with you know, if you watch BBC productions, you more or less see the same pool of actors yeah. rotating, doing that. Like um, the guy that plays Gerard in uh, Peep Show, yeah, Gerard. Yeah, dead Gerard. BBC comedy sketch show sitcom you can think of. So it's like at one. Point, I, I, I totally understand what you mean. Yeah. Also, Tim Key's character is really dull, and I can't stand him. In Peep Show. Yeah. Yeah. Really-
0: yeah. Um, so yeah, those are my two picks: uh, Peep Show
1: and Alan Partridge. So you've got two now. Awesome. Okay. Well, I was gonna go with Peep Show. Okay. But I haven't thought about it. I can't believe I'm disgusted at myself for not thinking of it to begin with. the in-betweeners. yeah, between us. just perfectly surmises what college is like for a British teenager group of teenage boys because me and my friends we I, I'm sure everyone says it, but we were the in-betweeners. <laughs> like you, you can watch the in-between us and think this is this is the writing is just so on message with what actually goes on in sixth form, what actually happens, what it is like being in that sort of, not the least popular group of kids, but definitely not the top group of kids. Just that sort of weird no man's land. Um, And it's incredible. I enjoyed the series. The first film, yeah, okay, you can get away with that. Second film didn't need to happen. Um, I think there's rumours of them making a third, which I really hope aren't true. But we we'll, we'll see but this the series as it was incredible Yep, uh i would
0: absolutely uh it wasn't in my top 4 um but it certainly was one of my honorable mentions and again um so i think for me i was i was in my first year of college um so i would have been 16 i guess Um, which was kind of the the same age, I think I was literally the same age. I'm probably this similar age, I think to, um, to the guys that are actually in the show. Um, and yeah, I just, I still find it funny now. I still watch it now and I agree with you first film, really good. Second film didn't really need to happen, but still pretty good. Um, I credit this point actually to one of my, or one of the, uh, other contributing, um, co-hosts of the Back to Football uh, podcast, uh, Tom, um, who commented that the, the changing of Simon's girlfriend from uh, film one to film two um, just should never be done in any film because you can't go back and watch the first film and yeah, see her as this yeah. sweet, lovely girl when she's a complete psycho in the second film.
1: Yeah, it seems really that whole character... Well, in massive quotations, that whole character arc of Simon's girlfriend basically just served the purpose of Simon going away to the other side of the world and his girlfriend really not liking it. And rather than making any character development of people being able to be like, oh, I sort of see where she's coming from. Oh, I don't. You have to make it in the the writer's heads. Oh, what the fuck? That's so unjustified. And the way that they did it was just so horrendous. Like sending videos of you melting your PlayStation in a microwave. (laughs) Like, what? Uh, no i yeah I, I completely agree with that point i really didn't like that was the one thing that was really jarring about the second film yeah but uh and also did you ever did you ever see
0: the reunion thing that uh jimmy carr uh hosted and it was really awkward and um what's his, the the guy that plays jay did a yeah. whole because i think he does he's a streamer and he games and um he did a a full thing where I think he was playing like Red Dead Redemption or something, but he talks about how uh, the reunion show just went completely wrong because he kind of turned up thinking it was going to be one thing and, and obviously Jimmy Carr being the comedian he is just completely kind of like took the piss and ripped into him a bit. and um, Yeah, it didn't go very well, but I, I assume
1: you maybe didn't see it. No, I didn't see it. No, I um, yeah, he's an interesting one. That's um, James Buckley, isn't it? That's yeah. his name. He's an interesting one because I, I watched a uh, a podcast with him, and um, yeah, he he wasn't really that up for talking about all of it. And it's such a shame because it's such a cult classic and British identity. You'd want the people involved with it to be wanting to talk about it as such, but it seems to him it was just another role that he played, and he's a bit tired of it. He um. Fell asleep in one of the press junkets for it. I remember Boston yeah. He said that he doesn't hear from uh the guys that play will and Simon. He talks to um Blake Harrison, who plays Neil quite a bit, but even then like not really so it, it does really break the magic to hear that they're not all best friends and still but I suppose that's me being a child
0: <laughs> yeah you can hear the uh the sirens in the background there in uh
1: in... Open
0: like. open window culture that we now live in here in the UK in uh, in this this heat uh, you will hear I get Ooh. Domino's delivery bikes coming past my window quite often as I'm near one of the uh, the main Domino's depots I guess uh, for the area HQ yeah pizza HQ um, so you've got another pick to go yes uh,
1: and that is the thick of it mm-hmm oh hang on hang on or is it oh no no okay absolute classic and a really random one i suppose for someone of my age uh only fools and horses ah i've been watching it on netflix recently just while i've been because it's a really easy thing to put on while you're unpacking and just like in the background and the humor is it still stands up now even though it's what 30 40 years old yeah Um, 30 yeah i think the, the the comedy writing in it is incredible it, it's up there with the best some of the best british comedy writing there is del boy as a character is really you know three dimensional um and i think that some episodes as well have a a little bit of a comedic twist at the end as well which obviously i said that i'm a sucker for um so it's all really quite interesting that um episode i don't know if you've seen it where uh Basically, Dell is with this woman, and then she nicks the painting from him, and then puts it on auction. And um, he says, "Oh, good luck with that. It's nicked anyway." And then, <laughs> so she's going to be found with it because she's boasting like, "Oh, I've got the rights to it and everything. You can't get it back now, Dell." And he's like, "All right, that's perfect. It was nicked anyway." Yeah. So, um. But yeah, no, I think that is a, another cult classic for British humour. So that's yeah. why that the fourth spot. Okay, I
0: like that. I, I do like that pick. I think there's some brilliant, um, brilliant comedy in Only Falls and Horses, and it's a big one for me because I used to watch it a lot with my my dad and my grandparents and all of my dad's family. All absolutely love Only Falls and Horses, uh, and it is of course um, playing in the West End um, at the uh, the Haymarket Royal Royal Theatre Haymarket. Uh, I'm I'm probably not getting the right one there, um, but yeah, it's playing through to. Um, January I think at the moment um, oh. and it's starring did you ever watch Phone Shop? Oh yeah Yeah the main guy in that you know um, the one that's also, he's also in some adverts on TV for like
1: uh, one of those can, what's he called? Lance the older guy no the, the younger man? guy the younger guy um, what is it Jermaine and
0: Ash <laughs> um, alright let me look this up only Fools and Horses musical. Um, he's also in, uh, have you seen um, Life on the Road with David Brent? Yeah. The oh,
1: film. um, the guy, oh, yeah. oh isn't he? he's one of the
0: office workers. Yeah, the guy that he works like, David's best mate. Actually, no, to be fair, the two phone shop guys are both in that, but you know, yeah. they work in the office. Christopher. For Christopher. Phone. Yeah.
1: Arco, okay, that's interesting. Yeah.
0: Okay. He, he plays Del Boy and then uh, Paul Whitehouse plays Grandad. Um, although he's soon to be replaced um, by someone called Andy Mace, apparently, as I googled the hell out of that during the show. I didn't, that wasn't off the top of my head. Um, So I've got two picks of my own coming up now, uh, and I will be going for, um, as I feel like I should probably throw in a newer um, sitcom, I'm going to go for This Country, um, which has become... It's definitely, I think, my favorite current uh, sitcom. So I think they're currently filming uh, season three. It's had two seasons and kind of like a special episode. For now, a lot of people worried that the special episode would be the last of it. But uh, they are in the process of making season three. Or if they've made it, it's, it's in the process of being kind of edited to go out. Um, right. I love it. Have you seen This Country at all? Never heard of it. Okay, so you threw me inside number nine, um, and yeah, I've I've countered you there and given you this country. I think you'll absolutely love it. It's all on iPlayer. It's um, okay. BBC documentary. It's set in um, rural England. Um, they're sort of down in the Cotswolds, um, and it's all about the kind of uh, the the mundanity uh, of of being a young person living in in a rural area. Um, right. and yeah, I, I think it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, it focuses on two, um, cousins in the show, which is Curtin Mucklow and Kerry Mucklow. Um, and I just, yeah, I won't, I won't go too much into it. Cause I think if you haven't seen it, um, I, I wouldn't want to give anything away. Um, similarly to my point I made with Peep Show where I kind of disregard the final season of Peep Show, um, with this country. I am not the biggest fan of episode one um, because it feels very much like a pilot. Um, and I think that the characters kind of developed a lot more in, in the episodes that kind of go on from episode two. Um, so bear that in mind when you watch season or episode one. And also the other major kind of stumbling block that it had was the, the lead guy that plays Curtin Mucklow is like a dead ringer for Mackenzie Crook, um, who obviously played Gareth in The Office, um, and the comedy is very much of the same. Um, it's cut from the same cloth. It's kind of inspired very much by The Office. Um, so if you put that together, that he looks like Mackenzie Crook, the jokes sound a bit like Mackenzie Crook jokes from The Office. Um, yeah. You know, people I think saw it as being kind of on the wrong side of that that kind of line of 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 being derivative, um, and and just being <laughs> straight up copying um, another show. Um, but yeah, if you can get past that, if you can see past that, it's it's completely um, in its own um, in its own area. And yeah, I can't recommend it enough. Um, so that's my f- third pick, and then my fourth is going to be, uh, I'm going to throw it out there and go across the pond and I'm going to pick Parks and Recreation uh, as my fourth uh, up there on Mount Rushmore. Um, I think that it's an absolutely brilliant show, some great performances, um, particularly um, from Chris Pratt. I think he's amazing in that. He's one of the funniest comedy characters. Um, in certainly any American uh, show that I've seen, again, probably borrows slightly from uh, someone like Joey and Friends that that kind of role. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm sure Joey was taken from someone way before that. Um, but yeah, I think Parks and Rec is so good in terms of the amount of characters that they have um, that all have their kind of you know every single all ten kind of characters in Parks and Rec could probably have their own. Um, show they could right. they could hold up as as a, as a, a lead character in their own show. Uh, wow. So yeah, and it has some great music that came out of it as well with uh, Mouse Rat, which is the band of Andy Dwyer, uh, le- lead singer uh, Chris Pratt, in there. So yeah, Parks and Rec is my pick.
1: Okay, I've never seen it. I've seen it advertised a lot on Netflix. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm I'm not a fan of. American sitcom very much, to be honest. Like Brooklyn Nine Nine, I can sit in a room of people and they're all laughing their asses off, and I'm just not getting it. Over it. Yeah, over it.
0: Yeah. I think, yeah. I think with, because um, I'm the same with, I've not ever really gotten into The American Office, and I've tried probably three times um, to start watching it. Right. But I think Parks and Rec is probably where, you know, I think I can get into that because if you try and watch that first season of the American office, it is a, it's a carbon copy of the UK one and it's so hard to put that aside and, and, and not be kind of uh, caught up on that, which is exactly the same thing that I just said about uh, this country. And, you know, people do get hung up on those things. Uh, I'm sure I could punch through and really, really enjoy the American office, but as yet it's not happened.
1: Yeah. I, cause I watched it with, my girlfriend and she like it we had it on the background as more of a thing and um then we did I, I started watch because she'd watched for the first like three seasons so I joined like halfway through that and um I was like yeah okay I, I can appreciate it as a separate entity because I because beforehand I was like I don't want to watch it because I, I love the U- UK version but if you do try and separate it I suppose and try and break through it but Then it's like, why are you trying to break through to watch something enjoyable? Like that sort of defeats the point. But I do see where you're coming from. I agree.
0: Um, So you've got one more pick, and then we'll reel off our honourable mentions.
1: Okay. Uh, My final pick will be the UK Office,
0: (laughs) (laughs) which I've mentioned about ten times.
1: Yeah. Um, Just incredible. I think it did. It set the benchmark for UK comedy. in the early 2000s, it really did. Um, I think that it's just such a simple, simplistic idea, but it, the execution is just perfect. Uh, uh, David Brent as a character is just in- incredible. The dimension behind him, uh, the, you've got everything, you've got the, the story with uh, Tim and Dawn, incredible. Uh, it, just all of it, and it's such a slow paced, sitcom you know you if you think about it nothing ever happens nothing really happens it is just day in the life uh but it's the characters it is the development of them it is just incredible um and of course ricky gervais is one of the most talented writers uh, of anything in history so yeah (laughs) the office takes my fourth spot
0: lovely lovely um it's a controversial comment i'm sure a lot of people will uh, disagree, perhaps, with the Gervais thing, but I mean, I I put the office the office is up there on my most watched ever things. You know, I probably watched through the entire two series and uh, special episodes like a hundred times, probably. Um, so yeah, I I definitely rank that very high, and I do like other things written by Ricky Gervais, but my the kind of the curve for me has gone gone down a little bit um and i don't i don't know what i would attribute that to like i think i actually i don't like uh so uh what was his most recent thing that came out on on netflix afterlife yeah afterlife um i think i'm i'm less drawn to the the glossy kind of um looking things that are done by someone like david brent so, like, in terms of like uh, the the production quality on Afterlife is very high, and they have this.
1: Or oh, David, you just said David Brent. <laughs> oh, sorry,
0: yeah, same person. <laughs> Although, I, hang on. <laughs> yeah, Ricky Gervais. Um, it makes sense uh, of
1: why you're not enjoying it if you're thinking it's
0: David Brent. Yeah, David Brent's new comedy. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. So Ricky Gervais, but uh, yeah, it's I don't know whether I, I factor that in because obviously The Office was around what. probably the turn of the millennium, like 2000, 99, 2000 um, and it has that very dated kind of look um, which obviously so does Alan Partridge and then both of them had uh, the kind of the the movies made so you had um, Alpha Papa with Alan Partridge and then you had Life on the Road with David Brent and yeah to transfer that kind of 90s sitcom aesthetic to suddenly being filmed on like probably like, I don't know, a 300,000 pound ARRI cinema camera and it, and it looks glossy and everything. Like, I don't know whether just something in my head just goes, oh, this isn't the same. This isn't the same thing. And I think there's less of a sense of this was done completely in the moment and was off the cuff because you know that actually this is so beautifully shot that there's no chance that that this wasn't entirely you know contrived months before that that would be the shot and that would be the line um whereas i think a lot of those things like the office and alan partridge and a lot of sitcoms um the beauty is that they get to ad-lib those lines and try them in different ways and get different reactions so um yeah i think that's maybe one of the reasons that these things don't transfer into films as well um I love The Office. I really do.
1: Yeah, Life on the Road, I wasn't keen on. I enjoy it. Like, I can watch it. It's, I, the, comparing it to The Office doesn't help it. In a slightest. Yeah. yeah. You're quite I, right.
0: I think it's... Yeah, because I've tr- I've watched it a few times um, since. I saw it at the cinema and then I've watched it a few times since. Um, and I really like the sound. I do like the soundtrack, but I think there's too... Like, David Brent is too tragic in Life on the Road. Like, they've... It, I think in the office there was always the sense that at least apart from obviously when he eventually gets made redundant and et cetera, but he was always still the boss and he always had some authority and you could actually kind of see the, the building blocks that led to maybe the, the, the ego that he had. Um, whereas his, his life is, is just nothing of that. Is it in life on the road? And, sure. um,
1: it does get a bit too sad to be able to laugh at. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, so I've got a few honourable mentions here. I'll just reel a couple of them off. I've got people just do nothing.
1: Can't stand it. Can't
0: stand it. Ooh, what?
1: I'm bored of hearing about them. There's, there's a podcast that I listen to and it's always got that advert for their new podcast coming out. I cannot stand listening about it. <laughs> I, like, I'm, I, I do not get it. I don't get it.
0: Okay, Contro. Um I think it's quite funny because I think that's a very real world reaction to them as a group. Um so if they were real I'm the enemy. <laughs> you're yeah, you're exactly what uh, if they were real, like the reaction should be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe you, you've missed a couple of, uh, layers of irony, uh, in there somewhere, but, um, yeah, I, I, I was quite late on the people just do nothing train. Um, and I did know about it for a long time and chose just, you know, I'm not, not that interested in this, but, um, yeah, I actually, I've heard about this podcast. I think it's an audible exclusive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I- I've heard that so many times, I could probably recite it to you. Oh,
0: please don't. Um, but yeah, so they're one of my honourable mentions. I've also got um, New Girl in there. We're re-watching that at the moment. Um, did you ever watch that? It was at E4. I don't know if it's still on E4. Oh,
1: I've heard of it. It's the American thing.
0: Yeah, with Zoe Zooey Deschanel. Um, oh, yeah. But it's, again, it's kind of, I think if you watch something on e4 or if there's something on e4 um, or channel four whatever on on uh, traditional television um, it's so hard to properly kind of take in a sitcom yeah because you pick it up at random episodes it's none of it's chronological um, you're just kind of taking what you're served um, whereas I've actually or yeah, been watching it on uh, Amazon Prime. And when you actually watch it episode by episode and you get the full kind of development of characters and, and storyline, it's, uh, it's been really good. Um, my other honorable mention is just Chris Lilly in general. So um, he had... Uh, Jamie, private school girl, Jonah from Tonga, Summer Heights High, um, and more recently, Lunatics on uh, on Netflix. I think he's hilarious Australian comedian uh, and, I guess, character uh, creator. But, yeah, I think he's absolutely hilarious and, and he's got some fantastic
1: characters. Right. Uh,
0: so I'd recommend watching any of that. Have you seen any of his stuff?
1: I watched uh, a couple of episodes of the Jamie thing, a few of the... Um, Jonah from Tonga. Uh, I'm not really a massive fan of that style. That style, I suppose. But then I say that, and I do quite like Come Fly with Me in Little Britain. So I don't know. It, I, I, I guess it's just the way his comedy. I'm not. I can't really get behind. I didn't really find it that funny.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because if, if you've watched them, um, you've watched the. Jonah from Tonga and uh, Jama private school girl is probably the equivalent of if you had you know you get like those packets of like round trees uh fruit pastels that are like only the red ones or like only the the orange ones or whatever like you've kind of done the equivalent of that so um. They're very, very kind of concentrated. The 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 ones where it's one single character and follows them. Okay. Um, I would definitely recommend watching something where he has like six or seven different characters. It's probably more of a Little Britain kind of format um, because what you then get to do is you get you then get to say, okay, I like those two characters. Not that bothered about those, and and you can kind of build it up that way. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I think. The problem with that is if you don't like Jama or you don't like jonah then none of the none of the show is going to be funny at all um and I would say for me those two characters are, are, are not they're sort of far from his his best characters um but i can I can understand like I'm not saying that that you would potentially um enjoy a, any of his characters in particular but that in the lunatics one on uh on netflix there's some ver- there's a couple of really funny characters there's an estate agent guy that's also like a dj on the side and i think you'd enjoy that character uh, yeah. quite a lot uh right. dj q-u-n-t dj cunt so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah is a funny a very very funny character um but yeah uh, chris lily for me I'm, I'm a big fan
1: okay interesting
0: any honorable mentions for you
1: uh, I think uh, The Thick of It, I did mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be If there was five on Martin Rushmore, then it would be the fifth. Uh, I do love that. I love the political side. I love the fast pace of it all. Um, and it. I, I watched it when I was a bit younger, so I would basically just laugh at the swear words. But now as I've got older, I can appreciate the nuances and actual, the actual storyline and how incredible the writing is in that Malcolm Tucker is really a bit of a he, is a he is the villain despite being the protagonist he is definitely a, a villain of the piece and he does uh you know uh, have everyone running around and they've got everyone on strings to factor into his way of thinking and his political sort of standing and keeping his job and it's little nuances that you can watch it watch it over and over again and then on like the seventh time watching it think oh yeah he did that because of that and, and it just makes everything so much better and funnier and. funnier uh, it's a, it really incredible uh, another honourable mention would be How I Met Your Mother Okay. Uh, uh, which is an in- interesting one because it goes off the back of what you were saying about the the problem with E4 or, or BBC3, those late night comedy episodes that you get uh, I used to try and watch it all separate and you, you just can't and then I sat down with my girlfriend and we watched all of it and you do really appreciate the story arc, it is incredible uh, and it is really funny Um And those are my two honourable mentions, I suppose. It Crowd as well. Yeah, classic, very good. But again, hit and miss. Some episodes are classic, some forgettable.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I I like the It Crowd. I've never sat down and watched that in order either. Uh, But yeah, I think it's it's a. It probably just got in there at that tail end of those um 90s kind of i would say 90s was like the era of the the perfect kind of sitcom aesthetic like the royal family uh men behaving badly two pints of lard and a packet of crisps that kind of aesthetic which was also the office alan partridge um and then yeah peep uh, sorry peep show was at the beginning of that as well but um as well which one
1: and Stacy
0: some extent yeah Gavin and Stacy yeah absolutely um, so yeah that's our that's our Mount Rushmore then of um, sitcoms um, mainly from the UK but with a, a few um, from the States uh, thrown in there let's uh, have a quick chat I mean we, we've kind of become a, a bit of a, a Love Island podcast um in many ways um john obviously is not here today uh, uh my main um love island uh, co-correspondent um i know you don't watch it greg but it's been announced this week that there will now be two series every year of love island um mm-hmm. with the uh, the second series taking place in january and it will be set in a villa in south africa opposed to Mallorca uh Are you, as a non-Love Island-watching member of the UK public, um, are you happy about that?
1: Uh, Okay, so I watched the... um, the, the, What is it? Two years ago now, the Chris and Kem season. And I did watch a bit of last year's as well. I definitely think that... I, I don't understand the whole thing with Love Island. I don't understand the criticism of it. Because... It's an entertainment show. They're not trying to make it seem as if it's this, uh, you know, world-saving uh, documentary or lifestyle type of thing. It is essentially uh, a a, a naughty's Big Brother. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a very similar element. All it is is that they're outside, so people, uh, you know, work out before they go, and then they sit outside and get a tan, and they've all got six packs. I think that the the hate around it is so unnecessary for what it is. I think that it makes it more of a thing than it actually would be if there wasn't any criticism, if you understand what I mean. I think that the criticism makes it more of a sort of volcano of yeah. controversy. Whereas if you don't like it, don't watch it. If you like it, watch it. I think if we're just stuck with that sort of dynamic that has worked in, in previous years... I feel like it'd be fine. I am i didn't watch it this year because I understand that it, well, it's, it goes on for six days of a week, isn't it? I think it's broadcast every yeah. night on Sundays or something. Um, Saturdays. Saturdays, there you go. And I just, I couldn't keep up with it. That was a problem last year. I watched the first three weeks. I went away for two weeks and there was like a couple of weeks left that I just could not catch up on 14 days worth of episodes. So that 's why I fell out of that, and this year I could do the same, but you know if I could watch it, I probably would because it is just entertainment. I feel like it's there's a lot of pressure put on it uh, of, of course, you know you look at the you know not to bring the tone down, but we've talked about it on the men's room before about you know you 've got the past contestants who have unfortunately committed suicide, yeah um, and that is worth talking about, but I think the problem lies with singling love island out as being the problem because it is difficult to find a nice uh, sort of way of saying it but it is isn't exclusive to love island why that's happened
0: yeah yeah it's so, more it's yeah it's a, a a bigger problem um and i think that potentially there's an important role in there for love island for maybe accelerating that and and highlighting that that it is a problem but yeah i think to solely blame something like love island is completely uh I- incorrect right. um and hopefully you know love island can be part of uh, a kind of a progressive solution uh, right. to some of these issues that are probably more around fame right. in you know in 2019 right. and in social media and exposure and and brands exploitation of um of, of human kind of uh marketing i guess uh, but yeah tough- I, I think the,
1: the problem one of the big my big gripes with it i know it's me being very cynical a big problem is that oh it's basically just what 10 good-looking people getting into a villa and getting off with each other i feel as though people would there'd be just as much uproar if they weren't all fit and good-looking and like that. It, you know, people say that it's, it's not healthy for things like that, but if you had the other way of like all obese people or all ugly people or overweight people, there'd still be that issue. So I think that it is a real flimsy... It's a, it's a straw man argument. Yeah. Make yeah. That, you can not like something. That's totally fine. You don't have to have a reason for not liking it. It's a TV show. It's not anything more than that you don't have to have this reason or you don't have to hide behind the fact of oh they're all really good looking so i don't like it because it promotes this and that you'd feel the same way if it was the the opposite
0: yeah absolutely absolutely um personally i'm looking forward to it being on twice a year and uh I've long since
1: went on a bit of a TED talk about.
0: <laughs> yeah, suicide. Wow. Uh, but yeah, I've long since sort of um, advocated that a a winter series would be much better because um, you think of the thousands, if not millions, of people spending um, eight weeks of the summer every year uh, at nine PM inside watching ITV two. Um, feels like a little bit of a waste. Um, and of course, in the dark um, doldrums of, of January, um, which I, I'm a bit of a January fan on the side because it's when my birthday is, but um, I, I hear a lot of people are not too big of fans of January. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that having something to watch at 9 p.m. each evening when it's sort of minus two degrees outside and you've got, you know, it's been dark for, for four or five hours by that point. Uh, Love Island over there in South Africa, watching a load of people uh, in 30-degree heat might actually probably be quite a welcome uh, distraction from uh, the horrors of of, of winter in the UK. Um, So, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a bold move to to double um, their output, but I think it's also a little bit of a strike while
1: the iron is hot moment. Um, it's interesting because I think that Love Island by by fans is really I, I, I don't know how to really put it. It is that sort of British summer culture comes with Love Island as well. So yeah. it is a very really brave move to put it twice because I suppose you know if you have more of something, the value is less. Yeah. Um, so the two show two um, series a, a year will it fade? I don't know. As you say, it's a bold move, but I think. Yeah, I, go, crack on, it's a TV show, go for it. If, you, if it makes people happier in these darker times, Dan, I'm all for it.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting actually if they were to make it slightly more international perhaps as well. Um, with it being in yeah. South Africa, it's pretty much, um, I would imagine, one of the few places in the world where it takes a very long time to get to from no matter where you're sort of travelling um, from. Uh, yeah. Of course, there is Love Island Australia currently and there's Love Island USA um, it would be maybe quite interesting to see uh, a combination of those uh, those three shows uh, to make uh, maybe some sort of international version of Love Island,
1: Love Continent,
0: Love yeah Love <laughs> Love World. Um, so. Um, we did have a few other things planned for the show today, but um, we've, we've managed to ramble on um, quite significantly on, on the topics that we did have. So I think, Greg, it probably is time to go back to football as you are here a guest on the back to football podcast which is the number one podcast for people who probably should talk about something other than football um, we've given them um, that license to talk about something other than football in in love island and sitcoms and boris uh, inside number nine um, actually interestingly he's going to live in the flat above number eleven which is apparently a four bedroom flat above number eleven I don't know why he's not living in number ten but um, maybe that's gaff number 1 for Boris that we talked about earlier in the show um first of all you're a big spurs fan um yeah. let's talk about them uh at this point and we're weeks away from the start of the premier league season now how are you feeling about spurs this year
1: uh, i'm i'm feeling hopeful uh i was so i was very skeptical um at the beginning of the transfer window because i'm very aware of our chairman and his sort of transfer policy and you know, because obviously last year we didn't spend a penny, didn't spend a single thing, and we did incredibly well, regardless. You know, we, yeah, the typical sort of responses, well, we didn't win anything. If you look at what we did achieve, we were runners up in the Champions League, uh, well, we became third in the league, I think, uh, fourth in the league, something like that. And I was really worried because Daniel Levi, I could have turned around and said, right, well, you did it without spending a penny you can probably go and do it again without spending too much. Or he could have gotten the route of, right, you did that season without spending a penny. Here's 200 million. Get that Champions League. Get that Premier League. And thankfully, it looks like he's gone for option B and he's thrown a lot of money at us. Uh, we've got um, Doble coming in. Really class midfielder. Is that, uh, is that
0: the correct uh, uh, pronunciation? The correct
1: pronunciation. Is the, Britain, is the North London pronunciation that he's okay and uh, doble uh, from uh, Leon uh, Leon yeah, that's the one and the news this morning is that we've been linked with Paolo de which is insane to read. I feel like I was just looking at like the transfer news on my FIFA game or something yeah. because for us to be linked with him is pretty insane it, at the moment, it just seems like we're asking how much he would be worth. But, you know, if it fits into what we want to spend, then I don't see why we couldn't go for it. They are looking to... uh, Juventus are looking to get rid of him. And I think he's looking to go because he's sort of been replaced by Ronaldo. uh, Which is a really stupid move because wait one or two seasons and he's going to retire. But if that means we get him, then great. Uh, But no, I'm, I'm really hopeful. I think that we've got a lot of good things coming our way. It's about maintaining those players, maintaining our manager, which I I remember I told you a couple of weeks ago that Tottenham signed his son. So it's a really beautiful piece of blackmail there, which I really rate. Uh, Sign the son, keep the dad. Incredible. Um, We brought in a a young lad called Jack Clark from Leeds, um, which is great. I'm always up for the young talent. I mean, you look at Deli Ali. He came from Milton Keynes. We learned him back and now he is where he is. Same with Harry Kane. Um, yeah, no, really hopeful things coming. And I think that we, unfortunately, we have to start spending money because that is the way that football's going now. Those that spend the money win the trophies. I think that we've waited too long to see trial if the method, uh, the other method works. But, you know, I, I think that, to spend to win, you have to spend money, which is what yeah. is the modern world. When you've got Harry Maguire going to United for eighty million, that is the current climate. So exactly,
0: exactly. Um, you mentioned obviously, yeah, Dibala there um, being on the radar at least. Um, I suspect that, that that the way Daniel Levy negotiates, I'm not even sure that there's enough time uh, for him to. To maybe uh, broker a deal there, but um, he seems to—I think—he quite likes to play the the time card and and force people into different moves. He, I'm a big Fulham fan, and um, Levy's in the process of uh, of buying um, Ryan Sessignon uh, from Fulham, nice. and I think we wanted about 45 million in the at the start of the negotiation, and, and it sounds like it's down to like half of that sum now. Uh, right think Ryan Sessegnon wants his brother um, to be a part of the deal as well Um, Mm -hmm. which you know is what it is like uh, Sessegnon we wish him the best you know the very best he's been um, amazing talent at Fulham Uh, didn't work out for us last year in the Premier League with him but uh, I think that he's got what it takes to potentially break into um, that Spurs team because the, the squad depth is not necessarily there that's at other clubs maybe like Man City Liverpool uh, even Chelsea Chelsea with a transfer ban um, you know are still looking at a squad of you know near enough 40 players probably at this point um, of which who will probably will be going out on on various loans across uh, the UK and Europe over the next uh, couple of weeks but I think Spurs is the one kind of top flight you know proper you know top six clubs that that Cessignon will actually get a chance to play for um, if he's good. Um, Lacelso, um, he's obviously linked with Spurs uh, quite heavily. Um, very talented box to box midfielder. Um, surplus to requirements potentially now at Real Betis. They've just bought in Nabil Fakir. Uh, from Olympique Lyonnais, who are also um, very much in the the same style as Atletico Madrid this year, where they basically just got rid of their entire squad uh, and they're building up. Um, Although it sounds like Atletico may potentially get Griezmann back uh, if if the transfer is cancelled by La Liga, as suggested uh, yesterday by the president of La Liga. That that will not happen. That's just... uh, that's a case of just saying the most extreme thing possible that that brexit negotiation style uh, commentary by the the president of la liga but um yes uh, leon have, have very much gotten rid of of the you know most of their squad ferland mendy uh, went to real madrid uh, nabil fakir has just left uh, as you mentioned nundebelay or uh, whatever we're calling him uh, is has joined um Spurs uh, manager actually at Leon this year um, that has made most of these cuts is none other than uh, ex-Brazilian national team and Arsenal uh, left-back Silvinho. Okay. Um, Remember him from back in the day? Yeah, I recognise the name. Probably slightly before your time. Um, I did go to a game at the old Wembley, um, which was England versus Brazil, and we sat pretty much right next to the Brazil bench. Uh, and I did get Silvino's autograph uh, back then. So it's all gone full circle and it will do these days. Uh, it's in its nature. So uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's Spurs. Um, another big Spurs guy um, of, of uh, seasons past, uh, Gareth Bale. Um, what's your thoughts on everything that's gone on with him the last week?
1: I really feel sorry for the guy. I really do. Because I think that it's a difficult one because he would, fit into any team easily really i think that real madrid is just such such a anomaly in football anyone's going to struggle to get in there and garbel you know coming from wales obviously he's not helped himself he's not really got in touch with the culture and the learning the language but i mean you can i don't understand how you can score a bicycle kick in the champions league final and still not be a fan favourite. I mean, you look at David Beckham. I, I remember listening to a podcast, and you know he's um, heralded as one of the Manchester United greats. If you go to the the Bernabeu in in Madrid, his name is tiny little small thing on the list of players that played for them. Yeah, wow. such a different league uh, of players fit in there. I always say that. I, I said it then, and I, I say it now. He should have given another season at Spurs. Maybe maybe we'd have won something. Who knows? Just see, and and then have gone somewhere. Because I think that he went off too quickly. Because so he had one really good season with us, and then you know always struggled at Real Madrid. Uh, he's he's earning a lot. He's earning an incredible amount. I think he's what's he's a sixth figure week. Yeah, and um, the latest that I've heard is that he's been offered um, from a team in the Chinese league. Police. Yeah, uh, team in the Chinese league. I think it's Shanghai Shun. He's been offered. Well, yeah, that's the one. I think he's been offered one million a week, which would make him the highest paid football player in the world. I, I really hope he doesn't go there because he's still got a good couple of years of being a really talented footballer. But you know, as we were saying, money talks in this day and age. So. Fun. I don't know. I'd love to see him come back to Spurs. I wouldn't be opposed to that. But if he's really wanting that much money, definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah, I think Daniel Levy will look at, it, look at the, the
0: paperwork on it and, and see that, you know, for starters, they're not going to be able to pay him anywhere near £600,000 a week. Like, the maximum he'd probably be able to get at Spurs is, what, the high 200s maybe? 250? he might get offered. Um, and I think that he'll look at, you know, he's injury prone, he's 30 years old. It's not, it's not worth it. Um, Daniel Levy will know that he can probably get La Celso and Dybala in for the, you know, the same amount of wages and they're both kind of mid twenties uh, and he gets five years out of them and yeah. potentially, you know, that's two players for the price of one. Um, so yeah, I think chances of him going back to Spurs are uh, slim to none. Um, but yeah, going to China, I don't know if that good is that a good move for him? Probably in terms of he, he will he'll be very good. Um, there's some very talented players playing out in China still. Uh, Hulk, Oscar, uh, Paulinho, um, uh, who else is out there? There's there's a few. Um, uh, Marco Arnautovic is playing out there now. Um but yeah, I think he'll be he'll be very good in China, but it's it
1: still feels like a backwards move. Let's be honest. I mean I was reading up on Carlos Tevez, Te- Carlos Tevez's case in China. And um I, I think he, he's he signed in what, twenty sixteen, I think? Yeah. And he played twenty games for them and scored five goals. Uh his salary works out that he's been paid eight million per goal for his time there. Uh, and he, he's, uh, you know, he, he was signed when Gus Poyot was the manager for their team. But then you know, Carl Carlos was com- complaining about Chinese food and the diet uh, and that it wasn't working for him. So when Gus Poyot left and the new manager came in, he said, I'm not going to play you. You're unfit. You're overweight. So he stayed on the bench for longer. Uh, he complained about his teammates. You know, they were playing at the level of uh, children. Uh, so I, I just don't think Gareth Bale should go out there I mean if he struggled with the Spanish language and not got to grips with the culture I don't see him having much luck in China but you know if you're making, if you're making one million dollars a week yeah and I think uh, there's the same club
0: um, I'm not sure if it is Shenhua I think it's uh, it's one of the top teams I think they're all pretty rich um, I think they guaranteed him kind of uh more or less unlimited first class travel um back to uh the uk or back to europe as well um and and you know let's not lie he'll have an incredible quality of life out there um sure. so yeah let's uh let's hope that at least we get to see a few more seasons of of gareth bale as a footballer wherever that may be Um, I think Greg, we should move into our second, um, Mount Rushmore, uh, and very much the, the last part of our show, um, which is, um, slightly inspired here by the 40 degree heat, but actually we did decide on this, uh, before, um, it got so hot, but we're going to do a Mount Rushmore of, um, strawberry blonde athletes, or as we say, as it is ginger athletes, um because there's, there's not that many, actually. When I came to compiling my list, um, it wasn't as easy as I thought. Uh, so, Greg, you went first in the, the other Mount Rushmore, so I think I'll take the first pick on this one. Okay. You okay with that? You got your notes ready? Got my notes ready. Okay, so I'm going to take who I think is surely on your list as well, um, potentially the, the greatest ginger footballer of all time, and that's Paul Scholes. Of course. I'm going to try and keep things brief as well in this in this Mount Rushmore. Um, but yeah, Paul Scholes, um, the heartbeat of, of everything that was good about Alex Ferguson's Man United, uh, multiple trophies, multiple Premier Leagues, uh, and a very quiet footballer in terms of his, his media stuff. He now does a bit on uh, BT Sport. And he has uh, all the personality that you would expect someone so quiet to have. Um, so yeah, he's my first
1: pick. What about you? So I've got uh, Ben Watson. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's uh, a f- the footballer that scored the stoppage time winner for Wigan in the 2013 FA Cup final. Mm-hmm. you really- suggested this from Mount Rushmore to me. He was the first person that I thought of, but I couldn't catch his name. And simple Google, ginger lad scored FA Cup final, Wigan first name that pops up. Um, it was there. It was w- uh, Wigan's first ever FA Cup. Uh, he scored the header in the ninety-first minute against Man City. Uh, I watched that game. I could not tell you why I watched that game when I was fifteen years old as a Tottenham fan watching Wigan versus Man City. But I watched it. Still sticks with me today. Ben Watson, mad lad.
0: Okay, um, you've got yeah. You've got another pick now.
1: Our second one is. This is going to surprise you here, Dan. Uh, The Undertaker. Oh. Believe it or not, he's Ginger. Wow. This is Um, an exclusive. Exactly, yeah. So I researched it, and he had to dye his hair for the Undertaker role. But when he was, um, uh, what was his biker gimmick? Uh, Uh, Not sure. Yeah, he had... Researching
0: Undertaker Ginger.
1: Yeah, he was allowed to um, grow his natural roots out more for the biker character. And, uh, yeah, he's a little little ginger lad. I wouldn't say that to his face, though.
0: <laughs> okay, well, that's a, that's a great pick. That's a great pick. Um, I'm going to go more traditional ginger athlete and go for uh, gold medalist, uh, long jumper, Greg Rutherford. Um, he was probably, I mean, especially if we phrase it, ginger athletes, um, he's definitely the first person that came to mind for me. Um, he's pretty Good, good personality, seems like a good all-round guy. Uh, and yeah, uh, he's my second pick on my Matt Rushmore of Ginger Athletes. Uh, number three for me. Um, this was a tough one. Um, and he would probably argue, and most people would probably argue that that he's he's certainly more in the strawberry strawberry blonde category. Um, I'm gonna Google him just before I say it because. I just want to check that I'm not, you know, wrongly labeling someone here um, as something that they're not. But no, I'm pretty confident with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. So my, um, my third pick is, for me, probably the most exciting midfielder currently in the Premier League. Um, plays for the champions, uh, spent a lot of the last season injured. Um, but yeah, I think he's incredible. Uh, it's Kevin De Bruyne is my number three. Okay. So he's, pu- he's pushing the limits there a little bit on, on, on his hair colour, but I think he's, he's a bit ginger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he qualifies, he's a bit ginger.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay, I'm happy with that. Um, so, what have I I've got two more, haven't I? So uh, they were Paul Skulls, of course. He's the hero of the game. Uh, he is loyal his relationship goals. He was at Man United for over twenty years. Incredible! I can't believe that when I researched it, and because he, he spent his, he lived. It was born in Salford. He did his youth academy at Man United, uh, and then was with them for twenty years. Incredible! And uh, yeah, you're right. With Greg Rutherford, of course, it's the namesake, of course, and uh, he's great. Long jump, six gold medals, two silver, and one bronze. Wow. Uh, he won bronze represents uh Team GB in 2012 London. Of course, honourable mention that's just come to my head while we're on a wrestling theme, I suppose. Sheamus, the yeah. great Very fantastically ginger man, very white. He would not survive in this uh, heat that we're dealing with.
0: Yeah, uh, I have, I have um, Steve Sidwell. Um, of course, played for Fulham, um, played for Chelsea, played for a lot of different clubs. Um, and also Dave Kitson. Do you remember Dave Kitson played for Reading? Um, he was very likely to have been the, um, there was a, the silent footballer or the something footballer. Um, there was a Twitter account, basically the secret footballer. Um, but a lot of people thought it was Dave Kitson. I don't know if there actually ever came out who the secret footballer was. Let me go Google that. Who is the secret footballer? um, but yeah, Dave Kitson. Um, I once went to see, um, yeah, it, it was Dave Kitson, uh, was the secret footballer. So I, I went to see um, QPR versus Reading once. And at QPR at Loftus Road, you sit right on top of the players, basically. Like there's, I'm uh, probably, with the actual touchline, you're probably looking at maybe a meter and a half. Um, so there's no space for like a run-up or anything Um, and Kitson kind of came near the crowd and someone in the crowd shouted Kitson you're shit or something like that and then uh, he just turned around and went yeah no I am and then just ran off and it was was so funny because like everyone just laughed and it's such a great way of just like kind of dampening that that negative um, heckling for sure <laughs> uh, so, Kitson, I was thinking also Nicky Butt is a good one.
1: Yeah, that's a shout.
0: Nicky Butt was, uh, he's just been promoted by Ule uh, Gunnar um to, uh, I think, a first team coach. Uh, he was working with the Youth Academy, um, but yeah, I think he's stepped up now and he's actually going to be working with the first team. So, um, yeah, Man United for a long time had probably the two best um, ginger players in, in British football in uh, Paul Skulls and Nicky Butt both came through their academy um, and yeah pretty impressive uh, I think then that pretty any more honourable mentions on your side
1: not really it's a lot of difficult, oh. difficult. Um, there's a few basketball players that are very ginger but you no know, I, I can't pretend Blake, that
0: I Blake Griffin would you say he's ginger
1: uh, I've saw yeah I saw him come up yeah quite yeah
0: yeah, Blake, I would probably put Blake Griffin in there as as, as one of my honorables. Um, but yeah, if if of course, if, if you've got a favorite and you're listening to the show right now, um, please do uh, get in contact with us. You can follow us on social media. That's at the BTF podcast. Uh, and of course, as ever, um, a big thank you to anyone that actually uh, listens to the show and uh, has listened all the way through this one hour and 15 minute mega episode uh, in the 39-degree heat of the hottest day ever here in the UK. Um, yeah, it is pretty incredible. Uh, so, Greg, I think it's pretty perfect time to kind of round off the show, uh, and I will be jumping pretty much straight in the shower. Um, what's your opinion on cold showers?
1: Uh, they, they serve a purpose. I don't get the people that do them for enjoyment. I definitely, you know, if I've gone to the sauna or the steam room, I'll have a cold shower. Today, I'll have a cold shower. Any normal day, no, I'm not mental. I will have like a perfectly nice warm shower.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty safe. That's pretty safe. Uh, Well, thank you very much for standing in as our uh, guest host for today as well, Uh, and we'll get you on um, on one of our, our next shows. Uh, and hopefully we can do some conspiracy stuff as you are our usual conspiracy connoisseur. Um, if people want to go follow um, or listen back to the, the Real Men's Room or The Men's Room, I always
1: call it The Real Men's Room. Um, but yeah, if they want to check that out, how do they go about that? Yeah, so you can find uh, The Men's Room on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere that you do listen to your podcasts. Uh, and we thank Anchor for that really incredible website. Um, you can follow us on Instagram as well we've been fairly uh, shit on the Instagram I won't lie but we are you know, we're looking at different ways that we can improve that so follow us on Instagram at Real Men's Room and check us out on Spotify Google Play, uh, Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts at um, The Men's Room perfect that's all good
0: uh, so guys we will catch you next week uh, and go enjoy the sunshine see ya